You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. If you find that you enjoy this episode and want to catch up on any previous episodes that you've missed or stay tuned for future episodes, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, I thought we'd take a look at the games that happened yesterday and today not involving the Winnipeg Jets and give you some scorelines and whatnot, maybe a couple of storylines here and there. And I also wanted to address one of the bigger issues that came up on Winnipeg Twitter today surrounding the criticism of Captain Blake Wheeler and how I think the Jets have handled it. I have some thoughts about some of the stuff that I've seen recently, and I don't really understand the whole situation around it, but I think, of course, there are plenty of sides to the story. I just don't really understand why this has become some kind of a big controversy. I'll dive into that one a bit more in-depth in a little bit, so first, let's start off with the normal NHL stuff and also talk about a couple of weird things that have popped up in terms of, like, COVID situations and how this might impact the rest of the season. Starting with the COVID news, we do have some troubling situations arising out of the National Women's Hockey League uh, bubble tournament that took place recently. The tournament has now been canceled and called off due to a number of teams testing positive and having to pull out. And I think the situation really got out of control because the way that they handled the bubble system was actually not much of a bubble. I think that there were plenty of access points. I don't know exactly what the travel arrangements were, but basically some of the players and staff were allowed to, to... essentially get exposed in other areas and so the bubble system could never be foolproof because if anyone gets infected and brings it back into the bubble well suddenly the whole point of the bubble's integrity is now compromised and there's no real recourse for getting it resolved unfortunately once you've let covid in it kind of does the rest and i think it's important to note that now that we have even more aggressive strains of covid it's not like a situation where you can hopefully isolate and keep the tournament going. Because it spreads so quickly and we don't really have vaccinations for it yet, I think you have to understand uh, you can't really take any risks. Once it's in, you you have to kind of cease operations and figure out what to do, which makes a lot of the way the NHL has done it so far very puzzling. The Minnesota Wild announced today that uh, until February 9th or so, their games are all being postponed, and they've already had a serious COVID situation with their top prospect, Marco Rossi. If you remember Rossi, he was the guy that the Jets could have taken if uh, Minnesota hadn't swooped in at ninth overall and snagged him. He couldn't take part in most of the camp due to what was described as an upper body injury, and now it turns out it's actually post-COVID complications. I think we have to be realistic and understand that the situation the NHL now finds itself in is that a lot of top prospects are are seriously at risk. Anyone who's been playing around any potential COVID sources and has maybe unintentionally got infected, either through like training sessions, going around doing shopping, any of that stuff, it poses a significant health risk. And I think the NHL really needs to think long and hard about how much longer this tournament can continue. There are already like four or five teams that have had games suspended or at least postponed just because of COVID. 
Thus far, the Canadian teams have mostly uh, dodged the bullet, so to speak, but I, I am concerned that at some point it is going to infect one of these squads. And, you know, the Canadian division is only playing Canadian teams, so if anyone comes into contact with those players, it might spread like wildfire very quickly. My bigger concern, though, is just the long-term health impacts that COVID can have on players. You know, you, you have all these top athletes who have to be in the best shape of their lives, but, you know, by the same token, because they put their bodies through so much physical stress that, you know, taxes them in unusual ways compared to most average folks, and because of this, it puts them in a uniquely risky category where if they have COVID at some point and it actually expresses symptoms, they might not be able to return to sports for a very long time, if ever. You hope that most of them have a very quick recovery process, but to be honest, we don't really know the long-term impacts of COVID. We've only had it for like a year or so, uh, maybe a year and a half in some spots or a bit longer than that, but as far as like what kind of long-term health complications arise from it, it definitely varies case by case. And until we have like a longer retrospective of data, it's really hard to say how this would impact pro athletes as well. You know, we're all at risk in some capacity, but pro athletes really rely on these uh, systems inside their bodies to be functioning at full capacity. It's why it's so troubling to me to see all of these teams hitting the, the COVID quarantine list. I mean, even three or four teams is a lot, especially when you have multiple cases on a single team. I think like a third of the New Jersey Devils roster is on COVID IR right now. Samsonov of the Caps tested positive and had to be isolated, and a couple of his teammates hung around him, so they had to be isolated too. Hopefully they tested positive. You've got positive cases potentially coming out of the Vegas game. Then you had Dallas having to delay its entire start to the season because most of the roster was on COVID IR. So I don't really know how the NHL plans to deal, to deal with any of this. My take is that, like they have done so before, they don't really intend to address it at all. They're going to do the bare minimum just to keep things running and hope that it sort of pans out, I guess, which I think is what the NFL did for the most part. And, like, the NFL technically succeeded, uh, you know, even though we haven't actually gotten to the Lombardi Trophy part yet, it's not like any teams were withdrawn from the actual competitions. But I will say that, you know, you look at the Baltimore Ravens, who had, at one point, like, half the team on COVID IR of their equivalency. Normally, any sane person would say, well, we have to stop the season if this is happening. You can't really continue on. But the NFL teams all kind of stuck to it and, and ended up finishing out the year. And my biggest question is at what cost? You know, are all of these players going to be okay long term? You know, what is their long term health situation? Not even counting sports, just as normal human beings and people, what is their long term health situation going to be like after COVID? I don't really have that answer. And I don't think anyone does right now, except, you know, certain situations where people immediately know, well, this is probably going to be a serious problem. But we're still studying in some ways the long term impacts of COVID. And I, I worry about all of this with respect to how the NHL is handling it. The league is not really doing a great job of ensuring player and staff safety. And the longer the list of COVID quarantine uh, grows for NHL players and stuff, it just really bothers me and it makes me upset and I, I very much worry about the future of the league. Obviously, the NHL will be fine after this season, but in terms of like the players and staff and stuff, I don't really know what's going to happen to them. You hope you don't see a situation like Rossi where you know a young player is infected and perhaps has his life altered forever, but you never really know. And you certainly hope that the players don't come into contact with anyone and infect them either. So it's just a very dicey situation. And the more that this happens, the more I really think the NHL needs to consider suspending. I don't think it can go on for much longer like this before eventually somebody has to pull the plug. But I'm going to hop off the doom and gloom train and move on to talking about some of the NHL scores. We still have hockey, so we might as well discuss it while it's still ongoing. Before then, though, I thought you should know a little bit about why rockauto.com needs to be your one-stop shop for all your car part needs. If you're like me and you're not really an experienced automotive mechanic and you don't really know what you're doing but you still need automotive replacement parts, 
finding the best source for everything you need is probably a little bit of a complicated process. You might not even know what you're looking for. And if you want to stop wasting time, look no further than rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the auto parts industry. Their intuitive, easy-to-use website allows you to filter by make, year, and model of your vehicle and set a price range so you get the exact parts you need at the prices you want. Whether you need an engine control module or a new floor mat replacement, rockauto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. And you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick and mortar in-store pricing. Why shop anywhere else when rockauto.com has the best prices in the industry? When you place your order, be sure to write locked on the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com today. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. In a moment, we're going to take a look around the league and talk about some of the score lines from yesterday, as well as some interesting narratives that came out of a number of the games. But before you go any further, I did want you to know a little bit about why Locked On Today is your best daily sports podcast. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Speaking of daily sports news, it's time to take a look around the league and check out some of the scorelines from yesterday's NHL action and tonight's NHL action. We started off yesterday with an interesting game of Patrick Liney's first debut for the Columbus Blue Jackets against the Dallas Stars. If you want some deeper thoughts on what I saw from his early first few shifts against the Stars, then check out yesterday's episode. I broke down some of his elements of his game in detail and gave a, a couple of early impressions from how I thought he might be doing for the team and what he might need to work on as he starts to get more familiar with the team. But long and short of it, Dallas smoked Columbus 6-3, which is kind of funny because, you know, Patrick Laine has traditionally been the bane of Dallas's existence. But unfortunately for Laine and Columbus, he had a bit of a quieter game. He wasn't bad or anything. I just don't think that he had the kind of immediate impact that he was looking for. You know, Columbus had a couple of power plays, and he wasn't really able to connect on them. And as far as his even-strength play goes, his line was probably the most okay on the night, but of course that top line, uh, you know, it's <laughs> if you're in a 6-3 game, it's hard to say that you're having a really great performance because everyone else is kind of getting smoked. And like the top line was around break even and scoring chances. So, not a great performance from Columbus and I'm sure that this is probably not the way that Line wanted to debut. If he was hoping the Blue Jackets were going to be a more welcoming team than, you know, the Winnipeg Jets were in terms of on ice performance, he might be in for a bit of a rough awakening. Yeah, the the Blue Jackets aren't great and I think in comparison to like Winnipeg, they have some very similar issues, but in some ways they don't really have enough scoring talent to cover over those problems. Line A will definitely help some of that, but the team in general just needs reinforcements, and it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason, especially when they try to build that bridge with Line A. In more Canadian hockey news, we're looking at Vancouver and Montreal next, and Montreal kind of tore apart Vancouver 5-3. I think the scoreline's probably a little generous. The Habs are just plain freaking good, and I think it's time that the rest of the Canadian division sort of recognizes them as the, the team that's probably the most legit out of all of the Canadian squads. I think the North division is pretty bad, but of course you've got Toronto, who's actually pretty decent. It's just that Montreal is probably a step ahead of most of the other squads, especially in terms of their ability to create a lot of offense at even strength, and occasionally on the power play. The, the, the special teams play is not great. I've seen Locked On Canadians host Scott Matla on Twitter occasionally joking about it, so I'd imagine that that's been a subject of uh, some discussion between him and Laura on their podcast, which you can follow, Locked On Canadians. But of course, you know, as Jets fans, we all are used to poor special teams play, backed up by some really great goal-scoring talent that kind of hides those problems, so... Montreal might be in a bit of a similar situation this year, although I think that their actual ability to create at even strength is significantly better than what Winnipeg is doing. 
Uh, as for our next game, we have Carolina defeating Chicago 4-3 in a shootout, and it does sound like Carolina was a really great team, but somehow they just kept getting stonewalled by this guy. I think his name is Kevin Lankin and in net for the Blackhawks. Carolina looks like they're in really good form. They're starting to take a, a nice divisional lead, although that division, the, the central division, is pretty tight, so it's going to be hard for them to get separation distance. That said, it's easy to see them as some of the front runners between Tampa Bay and Dallas and some of the other squads out there. Tampa Bay, of course, will probably win the division. Carolina might be in the top three, maybe second or third, and Dallas is going to be somewhere in that mix most likely. Up next, we had the Blues defeating Arizona 4-3, and I guess the Blues are just kind of I don't know. They're, they're for me, like a team that's in a decent spot, but maybe not that great. I think that their ability to create offense is pretty decent. Like, they've got some really talented goal scorers, and their defense has been offensively active over the past several games. Something about their team just seems off every time I look at the score lines and on-ice results. I'm just not 100% sure that that team is is at the place where you'd be thinking of them as, like, a really deep contender. I think, a, like, a round or two in the postseason makes a lot of sense, but beyond that, a little bit hard to say. Uh, and then we have Colorado defeating Minnesota in that very classic rivalry that started to uh, hit pretty recent high notes over the past couple of seasons. Colorado won 2-1, which is not super shocking. Minnesota's been playing pretty decent hockey, but Colorado is just on another level in terms of having so much creative offensive depth at both forward and on defense. You know, you've got Bowen Byram, you've got uh, Kale McCarr, you've got Sam Girard. I mean, they, they have a lot of really talented puck-moving D, and you've already got Nate and McKinnon, uh, Gabriel Landeskog, Miko Rantanen, Andre Burakovsky, just a lot of really talented goal-scoring depth. The Avs are a lot to handle, and I'd imagine that if the Jets were in the same division this year, it'd not go well every time the Jets would face them again. So be glad that the Jets basically only have to play Canadian teams for the foreseeable future. It'd be very bad if they have to face a team like Colorado frequently. Rounding out the last couple of games, we had LA losing to Anaheim 1-3. Uh, you know, LA's only goal was from Arthur Kaliev, which I thought was a funny finish because when you saw it, you'd expect the Kaliev to just blast one home with the amazing strength of his shot. But his goal was just actually an opportunistic poach where he split two defenders and the puck, I think, either came off of Anaheim's goalie, John Gibson, or it was a nice pass from almost below the goal line. And Kaliev jammed his way between the defenders to score. So nice opening goal for his career. He'll probably have plenty of those throughout the rest of his uh, NHL days. He's already shown lots of goal scoring ability. It's probably the main thing that I think a lot of people enjoy watching him do. But the rest of the game, pretty tragic by LA standards. Anaheim kind of dummied them for the entire 60 minutes. So not a great sign if you're a Kings fan. Anaheim's not a great team either, but maybe the Ducks have a little bit more in store or LA is just that bad. Hard to say. I, I expect the Kings to bounce back, but again, both of these teams are rebuilding, so measure those expectations carefully. The last game that we had on, on the night was Edmonton versus Ottawa, and I don't even know if I can call this much of a game. Edmonton smoked the Sens 4-2, but the scoreline's probably a little bit generous. The Sens just don't seem like they want to be playing NHL hockey right now, and frankly, I don't blame them. They've been getting absolutely slaughtered, and the goaltending situation is dire. The forward unit is pretty dire. The defense is dire. There's just not a single part of this team that isn't in a really bad state right now. At least they've got Tim Stutzla and, uh, you know, Thomas Shabbat and some other talented young kids, but the rest of the team, whew, I can't imagine Brady Tuchuk is enjoying having to try and carry the load of this offense while the rest of the team is kind of sucking, so not a great time to be a Suns fan. Speaking of Canadian hockey fan things, in just a little bit I wanted to talk a, a bit about the controversy that popped up about the Blake Wheeler criticism that popped up earlier today. I, I saw some of it on Twitter yesterday in terms of like people criticizing the criticism, but 
I had some extended thoughts because, to be honest, I think a lot of it's overstated. Before then, though, I thought I'd tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your online source for all your online betting. As you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a really hardcore Winnipeg Jets fan, or you just really love Canadian hockey or hockey in general. But you might also really love NFL action, too. And what could be more exciting than getting to watch the Super Bowl? Whether you back Tom Brady's experience with the upstart young Buccaneer squad, or you think Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs are back to defend their title, there's only one safe, reliable name you should turn to for all of your online betting needs, and that's betonline.ag. They have all the straight bets, parlays, and money lines you could possibly want, and they've got your back no matter your sports interest, whether you're a hockey fan, interested in German football, an avid NFL watcher, or even into college football. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. Take control of your sports fandom and get a few wins along the way. Log on to betonline.ag and create your free account. And when you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. I thought I'd close out tonight talking about the Blake Wheeler criticism controversy that I've seen floating around Twitter over the past 72 hours or so. I think the first thing that I want to say is it's not really a real situation. To me, a lot of the counter-criticism has been very overstated and overblown. You know, I remember Evander Kane a couple of years ago when he had his character assassinated. Now, Personally, I will say I think Kane has some issues, especially with his off-ice alleged treatment of women. So I, I don't want to say that, you know, some of the stuff that was said is necessarily false if it pertains to that specific situation. But at the time, that really wasn't known. So a lot of the actual criticism levied uh, Kane's way was essentially like character assassination stuff that was really irrelevant and also just kind of racist at times. I mean, a a huge portion of the Jets fan base really said some terrible things, and whether or not you disagreed with, like, his basic personality traits and whatnot, the things that people continually said about Kane were pretty disgusting, and I I remember a lot of it, especially on Twitter, because at at the time, like, Jets Twitter to me was a lot more toxic, and I think the fan base was maybe a little bit hardline about a couple of things, so not a great time. And then you fast forward several seasons, and now we get to Blake Wheeler being criticized for what is essentially, in my opinion, just getting old. I think Blake is is definitely trying to lead this team and do so much for the squad, but I think ultimately his body's just not letting him anymore, and that's something that's very hard for a lot of pro hockey players to accept. It's hard for athletes and regular people to accept in general, but with Blake being the captain, I'm sure it's extra frustrating because he genuinely wants to contribute, he wants to be a leader, and I'm sure he feels the pressure of needing to live up to the C on his shoulder and the contract that he signed. I know that that's very difficult for anyone in the leadership position, and I actually applaud Blake for, for the most part, handling it really well. I think that there's a lot that comes with the duty and the responsibility, and I'm sure it's not an easy process. But I think the other thing that he has to kind of do is sort of adjust his expectations of himself and think about ways that he can contribute without necessarily holding himself back and the team back. And I think that that's a very careful balance, because you don't want to tell a guy, yeah, you're you're sucking on the ice and you're really struggling, but... Blake is just having an issue keeping up playing top-line minutes, and it's why in the last game he actually had his minutes significantly reduced. You know, he just can't put him out there all the time, and I think that that's very difficult for him to agree to, especially when he wants to be somebody who is on this team like a face of the squad. The reality is that once you split him and Shifley, Shifley's results immediately improved. And of course, you know, he's Wheeler's being paired with Connor right now, so that line has a lot of defensive issues, but... I think even by those standards, Wheeler just wasn't really able to make much of a difference, and yet he still has a lot of value on the power play. And I think that in some ways he's probably frustrated because he knows that 
in some ways his his physical ability, especially at even strength, is declining rapidly, and it's really fallen off a cliff over the past couple of years. At this point for the Jets, you have to kind of think of it as damage control. You know, he's being paid like $8.5 million, and he certainly wants to be on the top line, but he can't really be trusted with all those minutes. You need to cut it back and be fair and balanced without necessarily sacrificing what he does so well for the power play. So I think a lot of the criticism about just him getting older is certainly warranted. He is struggling to keep up and it's just a reality, but this notion that people are personally attacking him, which sort of popped up from a couple of media sources, I didn't really understand because I, you know, from my timeline, I don't really see it. I think most people are all on the same boat as, as far as Wheel is just getting old, but we don't really think it's a reflection of his effort or, or the fact that he cares or not. I think he loves the team and certainly wants to be a leader, but I think it's just hard for him physically to do it. And yet all these people seem to think like everyone's viciously attacking the captain, and I don't really see it. Maurice had a, an interesting response today that was, in my mind, kind of harsh and, and very curt and a little bit overly defensive. I didn't really understand where all of this thought about uh, people like personally attacking Wheeler is coming from because I've seen so much worse levied at a lot of other athletes, but comparatively speaking, the stuff said about Wheeler is pretty tame. So I'd love to know what exactly people are so up in arms about. I just feel like the criticism of Blake is entirely based on the fact that he just can't keep up and that's not really his fault. It's just part of getting older. If someone could point me to the personal attacks against Wheeler, I'd love to see it and, and maybe I'd have a different thought on this whole situation. But to me, it's just like, of all the things he could possibly be angry about right now, it's kind of silly. I feel like the discourse has been pretty civil, and it's not like people are sending the Wheeler's death threats as far as I know. But I didn't really care for Maurice's response either, so it's just a weird situation, and I feel like it's always some kind of weird drama with the Jets. I don't really care that much. I don't think anyone actually should either. It's basically a non-issue, so let's hope everyone moves past it, moves on, and uh, stops worrying about the silly things. If you think I'm wrong in my assessment, be sure to let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets, or hit me up with any other thoughts you had. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL show. Every Wednesday on Locked On NHL, take a deep dive into the Western Conference with Sarah Avampado of Locked On Kings and Tom Gazzola of Locked On Oilers. Whether it's a look at top-end contenders like Vegas and Colorado, or breaking down the rebuilds of the Kings and Blackhawks, Locked On NHL has you covered on Western Conference Wednesdays. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!